If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Welcome, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast along with Aaron Fitt. I'm John Manuel. It's the most wonderful time of the year, Aaron. It's uh, NCAA baseball tournament time and the draft and everything else that's going on. But uh, we're here to focus on NCAA regionals, and we're here specifically to focus on the left side of the bracket. As you look at your bracket, that's the Virginia Regional, the Charlottesville Regional, all the way down through the Columbia Regional that South Carolina hosts. And as a matter of fact, we'll have a Baseball America staffer at that South Carolina Regional. In fact, that we will cover a couple of these regionals on this side of the bracket, Aaron, because you will be in part at the UCLA Regional, the Los Angeles Regional, I should say. Uh, over the weekend. So uh, you've already got half your uh, regional capsules written. Are you ready? Are are you excited for regionals? Are you just uh, like, all right, let's go ahead and get them over with? (laughs) No, I am excited. Honestly, I mean, writing them up last night, uh, as much of a a slog as it is to write up, you know, 20,000 words on these regionals, uh, it's uh, it's kind of fun to to go through and and get yourself fired up about all the teams. And there's a couple of regionals on this left side that I think are, are very compelling. And I also like, Aaron, how you brought back some of what we thought about these teams in the preseason to what's transpired through the season. So let's dive right into the Charlottesville Regional. A couple things. Uh, one of the things that jumps out to me at this regional, Aaron, with Virginia as your one seed, East Carolina the two, St. John's the three, Navy the four, is the familiarity here. St. John's went to Charlottesville last year and gave the Cavaliers everything they could ask for and more and really pushing them in that regional, losing in the, in the regional final. East Carolina went to Charlottesville this year, lost two out of three, but did give Virginia one of its you know, nine losses and played them tough. Do you, think, do you think that familiarity helps those teams, or does that help Virginia not overlook those teams? That's a, that's a great question. Uh, it's hard to say, I think. Um, I, don't, I don't think Virginia's going to overlook anybody, and, and certainly the fact that they've played those teams. Um, I suppose I'd, I'd probably give them the edge, but... Um, you know, at the same time, we know that St. John's isn't going to be intimidated going in there. You know, they weren't last year. They they really did give Virginia all they could handle last year. I was at that regional um, a year ago, and boy, I mean, St. John's was playing with a lot of confidence, and, and it seems like they're they're playing that way now as well. They've got a lot of veterans from that regional team last year. Um, you know, they 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 might be more experienced than than Virginia in, in some parts because you know, Virginia's got a lot of new starters last year who weren't key pieces of that team last year, um, but. Uh, you know, and certainly East Carolina, you know, they've got a lot of upperclassmen on that pitching staff. I mean, the, the lineup is younger, but um, it's a that's interesting regional. I mean, obviously Virginia is the heavy favorite. Uh, I think they're a really, really complete team. You know, one of the obviously the number one seed, so this kind of goes without saying. But I think they're one of the most complete teams out there, and uh, they're going to be tough to beat. They play very well in that ballpark. Uh, I do I do think this is a pretty good draw though for for East Carolina with the way that their team is set up, uh, really around pitching. Yeah, that's the thing to me is I think St. John's is a dangerous club because they're going to Charlottesville and because they know. I think it helps St. John's because they know and they're not going to be intimidated there. They know they've won there in the past. It's not as long of a slog for them travel distance-wise. I think they've already had the uh, fury of a lot of fans who think they don't belong in the tournament. That's going to motivate them a little bit more. Uh, But for me, East Carolina, with their pitching, and it's frankly a punchless offense, uh, they could have been sent to a better place unless they'd gotten sent to, like, Long Beach State, you know? I mean, you want to go to a pitching, mm. a big ballpark if you're East Carolina. 
And, uh, you know, I think East Carolina's going to be dangerous in this. All that said, uh, St. John's had its issues this year. East Carolina had its issues this year. Uh, Navy is Navy, Patriot League team. When a Patriot League team win, wins a regional, you know, let, let me know. There'll be zombies uh, chasing me probably when that happens. <laughs> uh, so I don't anticipate that happening anytime soon. I think that if Virginia does not win this regional, I think it would be a monumental upset as well if they've as well as they've played all year. Don't you agree, Aaron? I do agree. Yeah, and you know Matthew Wilson isn't walking through that Patriot League door. I think nice. so. That would be a beautiful if he did. <laughs> um, so that, that that was a regional game, not a whole regional. They won a game, That's but true. Uh, they're not a whole regional. Um, so we're both picking Virginia to win the Charlottesville regional. Um, Let's go to the Los Angeles regional, unless you had anything. If you want to throw anything else in on one of these, Aaron, obviously feel free. It's your podcast. But the Los Angeles regional, UCLA is the one at 33-22, and 22, one of the least imposing records for a one seed that I can remember. But in my opinion, if you win the Pac-10, you should host a regional, and I don't have a problem with the Pac-10 champion being a number one seed. But they got a stout regional, Aaron, with Fresno State as a two seed, UC Irvine the three, San Francisco the four. First of all, I was very disappointed to see uh, San Francisco and your write-up how they don't have a whole lot of power. And I was like, wait a minute, they have Steven Yarrow, personal cheese ball. Yeah. Look, him, look him up, 254 home runs. Steven Yarrow, another BB Corbett casualty. Um, I think I think you're right. That's a good way to put it. And uh, he hasn't had the second-half surge that Jordan Rivera had at Fresno State. Great you know, a take. Guy, a guy who got off to a very uh, poor start. But, you know, Mike Batesel said midway through the year when, when Rivera was hitting less than 200 with one home run or something like that, he said he's hitting a lot of balls hard. I mean, he's got a lot of hard outs and just waiting for him to take off, and, and that's what happened in the second half, uh, which I think is a, a key development for Fresno. Now you've got two big power guys in the middle with Dusty Robinson and and, uh, um, and, and Rivera, you know, and you've got I – mean, I, I like this Fresno team a lot. I'll tell you, this is a compelling regional because, um, you know, obviously UCLA has got the incredible pitching – but Fresno and Irvine are both very experienced teams, um, and you know it, it's that 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 matters in, in the postseason. It really does. Um, Irvine was in this regional last year, the Los Angeles regional, um, and has a lot of pieces back. I mean, they lost their, their big guns on the mound, Babona and Bergman and Pettis, as we all know. But they pitched pretty well. Uh, they've got a, a bona fide ace now on on Fridays with Matt Summers, who threw a no hitter last week, and he's a power guy. Um, that's a great matchup with him against uh, um, um, Fresno Gonzalez, Greg Gonzalez in the opener. Right. I, I got to tell you that I loved your write up of, of uh, Irvine and the regional capsules because it just sounds like such a Mike Gillespie team. And you know, you think about it when Mike Gillespie had talent at USC, he won a national championship and went to Omaha regularly. Because he had talent and he coached them up well, and uh, I think if you're a USC Trojan fan, you're looking at this regional and you're seeing the guys who brought the Trojans their last national championship in 1998 were Mike Gillespie as their head coach and John Savage as the recruiting coordinator and pitching coach, and there they both are in a regional while USC is home for the eighth time in nine years, and with a former Gillespie assistant Frank Cruz just hired and. I know Coach Cruz didn't like it because well, he's following me on Twitter when I when I tweeted that I thought that USC should aim higher. But it just has to be galling to the longtime Trojan fans that uh, Savage and Gillespie are playing in a regional at UC Irvine and UCLA. And uh, I don't know why I keep bringing up Southern California, but I just think it's wrong in college baseball when Southern California is no good. And it's just, it's just, it's just wrong right now. But, uh, you know, Colin Bauer and Adam Plutko, who deserves to be in that conversation, Aaron, 
Uh, UCLA clearly has regional caliber pitching. But I think in your capsule, you pointed out to one of the consistent issues that the uh, Bruins have had this year, which is their bullpen. Who has the best bullpen in this regional? Is it Fresno? It looks like it's Fresno. I think it probably is Fresno. They've got a lot of depth back there. Um, you know, Charlie Robertson's been a, a pretty consistent closer for him. Um, you know, I think Irvine's bullpen is pretty good too, but it, you know, I don't think that it's quite as versatile, uh, or just as good, uh, frankly, as Fresno's. I, I think Fresno's the most complete team in this regional. I really do. Um, but the problem is, you know, whichever team wins that matchup, they're going to use their ace. I have to imagine you're going to use your ace against Irvine. I mean, it's going to be Gonzalez against Summers. And then whoever wins that matchup has to face Trevor Bauer, assuming UCLA wins against San Francisco, which, um, you know, the Dons, hey, they're they're tough. They played UCLA really tough early in the year, a bunch of uh, really close, low-scoring games. Could they beat Garrett Cole? Yeah, they could. Um, but if they don't, then uh, I think UCLA probably winds up winning this regional because, it, you know, Bauer going in the second game and then Adam Pletko in a potential clincher. Well, that's my. That was my other question. Does Does UCLA for sure use Cole on Friday? I guess they are. Should they? Should they use Plutko early, and then save Cole for later in the week? Maybe that clincher on Sunday. I don't think so. Only because you know they've. That's one team that's been so consistent all year long. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's Cole, Bauer, Plutko. Those guys are all in their routines. You know, Plutko just pitched on Sunday. Uh, I don't think there's any reason to bring him back on shorter rest than he's used to. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's good to set the tone with Cole early, and um, I, I think that makes sense to me is, is to stick with the rotation the way it is. They basically are starting their number two starter every Friday. I mean, let's face it, Garrett Cole's yeah. awesome, but he's their number two starter. Trevor yeah. Bauer's their ace. There's no other way to put it. Who you got, who you picking, Aaron? I'm picking Fresno State in really? this regional because I like their bullpen. I like that experience. You know, Muno and, and Ribera have uh, – they can show them how the rings look, you know, from the, from 2008 – um, from that run, right. I, I'm I'm picking the Bulldogs to win this regional despite UCLA's pitching, and I I think they might lose to Bauer on Saturday and still win the whole thing. Entirely possible. They strike me as that kind of team. Uh, they're a lot more offensive than UCLA. Um, I think Irvine is is a better offensive team than UCLA too. Um, and you know I just don't know that Irvine has the horses on the mound and. I, I just can't pick against UCLA's pitching. I really, I mean, as much as I, I love both those other clubs, I think it's going to be a great regional. I wouldn't be at all surprised uh, if any one of those three clubs won. Um, I would be surprised if San Francisco won this regional. But uh, with its offense, I think is is, is just a, clearly below the other teams and doesn't really have the pitching either. I, th- I think it's decent pitching but uh, and really good defense, but I, I just don't think they've got the firepower. But um, all that said, I'm going to stick with UCLA. I, like I said, I just think it sets up well for their pitching. I got to tell you, San Francisco deserves kudos for a 984 fielding percentage, second best in Division One history, going back to ni- uh, 1971. That is remarkable, and a great, a great coaching job. Obviously, speaks well of Nino Giratano and his staff uh, to have that team up at 984 fielding percentage. Uh, Fitzy, then we go to Fort Worth. TCU is the host and the number one seed. Uh, really, they're they're as you wrote uh, repeatedly in stock report down the stretch of the season. The resume with Oklahoma's were virtually the same, and Oklahoma won the head-to-head. Correct, both games that were head-to-head. Yeah, that's right. And yet Oklahoma's the number two seed at Fort Worth uh, at TCU with Dallas Baptist the three, Oral Roberts the four. Let's give Oral Roberts some credit. Number one, f- I don't care what league you're in, fourteen straight years you win the league. That's incredible. Yeah. And, and South Dakota State under Richie Price has really become much more competitive. And I thought, you know, I thought South Dakota State, one of the last couple of years, was going to end 
Oral Roberts' reign, but give Rob Cooper all kinds of credit. You know, Sonny Galloway started it there. Rob, Rob Walton. Rob Walton, I'm sorry. Thank you. Rob Walton has just kept it going. That's a machine of a program. They get junior college guys. I got a Florida high schooler who was an 11th round unsigned pick, uh, and Abe Gonzalez, who's their ace. It's, it's an impressive program. Um, I, I just think that, you know, they, they deserve some, some regards. Is Oral Roberts or Dallas Baptist? I mean, TCU and Oklahoma were in Omaha last year. Everybody knows these are known commodities. Are, what are the chances for Oral Roberts or Dallas Baptist to pick up an upset here or, or um, you know, go to the regional final here? I don't, I don't think either one of them is obviously the regional favorite here, but can one of them, you know, win a couple games and really throw a scare, eliminate a TCU or an Oklahoma? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's 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 possible because – for one thing, TCU and Oklahoma uh, have been up and down here down the stretch, and, and I don't think either one of those teams is really maybe firing on all cylinders going into regionals. You know, we all know TCU's issues on the mound. Um, you know, Stephen Maxwell came back but is not really himself yet, I don't think, and Matt Perk is, is, was 87 or so, 80, 88 miles an hour the other day uh, last week in the conference tournament. He's not his best. Um, you know, I, I think TCU's bullpen is vulnerable. It's just not nearly as deeper experienced as it was last year. I mean, that was kind of an overlooked part of that team. And when one talks about Holiday and Curry being gone, the bullpen. I mean, they've got a freshman closer back there in, in Crichton who's pretty good. But, uh, you know, it, it's not what they had back there last year. Um, I think TCU's vulnerable. Oklahoma, um, you know, hasn't gotten the kind of play lately that it needs from Michael Rocha. I mean, he was so good the first half of the year. Um, he struggled. He struggled the last couple of weeks. Um, and, you know, Birch Smith has become their best guy. I assume they'll probably use him against TCU should they win the first game. But, uh, you know, that that team, you know, they've also had a lot of different moving parts in the lineup. They've never really found one formula that works. You know, they've got all these veteran guys in the lineup where they expect expected um, to, to start for them every game, and they've had other pieces that they've moved into starting roles. They've just, they've just moved pieces around a lot, uh, and, and you know, I don't know that their lineup is firing on all cylinders. I mean, Garrett Bushell, I feel like, had eight home runs in the first you know, three or four weeks, and he hasn't had any since then. Um, you know, the, the, this team is not as physical as it was a year ago. The, the bats did catch up with them eventually, I think. Early on, when they were playing a softer schedule, they were hitting a bunch of home runs, and, you know, Sonny Galloway was saying, well, you know, we just don't let the bats get to us. Well, they, they got to them. I mean, this is not as, it's not as explosive a team. So, yeah, I think it's possible Dallas Baptist or Oral or, or Roberts could, uh, could make some noise in this regional. I think you make great points about Oklahoma. That said... Uh, I like this team's makeup in this regional. I think Oklahoma got a break in this regional. Uh, Dallas Baptist is going to be a tough matchup for them because of their uh, offensive ability. Uh, Dallas Baptist really does seem like they've, yeah, they've scored. They, they, not only do they play, uh, they they pitch their ace in those midweek games. We've chronicled that about how they boost their RPI with those good midweek games. They play their ace, yada yada yada. They've scored some runs in those games too. Uh, what's the outfielder who has the record in doubles? Jason Krizan. Yeah, Jason Krizan. He did, you know. They're clearly an offensive ball club. They're in the top 20 in doubles just because of that guy. Um, but that said, Oklahoma, I still think, is a fairly offensive team. Um, I, I like this regional for Oklahoma, and I, and I think that what you, talk, what you talked about with regard to uh, TCU, the bullpen, is really the problem. Uh, I think that's uh, the biggest issue that, that TCU has in this regional. I think that that depth you talked about with Oklahoma uh, makes it the favorite to me. I, I'm picking the Sooners to win this regional um, despite the fact that they've only won three of their last, what, nine or ten? I guess they've won four of their last ten series this year. I mean, it really 
once they got into conference play, was not a tremendous team. But I'm still picking the Sooners with that, that mix of experience and depth and uh, and their offensive ability. Yeah, I am too, actually. You know, I, I think the depth is the difference between them and TCU. I, I give Jim Schlossnagel and his staff a lot of credit uh, for keeping that thing together at TCU this year because they've had injuries and um, and they just plain haven't been as deep. And, you know, it, they haven't really missed a beat. They've been a lot more consistent than Oklahoma this year. They've only lost one weekend series. Uh, I mean, Oklahoma only won, like you said, they won three series in conference play. It's remarkable. But uh, but they don't get swept, for one thing. And, and and I like the experience and the depth. I mean, I agree with you. I, I have to take Oklahoma here. And the, other, the other guy who's really been impacted by the bats, you mentioned for uh, um, you know, for, for Oklahoma, you mentioned uh, Bouchelle. But last year's postseason hero was uh, was Cody Rhine. Yeah. And that guy's really just been kind of an average player this year. And the guys who... When I think of Oklahoma's team, I start with Bouchelle and Seitzer. Obviously, Tyler Ogles had a really nice career there as well and had a good year this year. But the next guys I think of were the guys who were key guys for them last year, like Bushyhead, White, and Ryan. I just have to think that those guys have got it in them to have a good weekend or two here uh, down the stretch of the year because they were just so good in the postseason last year. I know the bats were different, but Cody Ryan especially was a guy who really picked it up in the postseason wouldn't shock me if that guy he, – he may not even play. It wouldn't shock me if he had a big hit or if Max White or Caleb Bush had, had a big hit in a big situation or if they made a play that Taylor Featherston or someone else in that TCU infield did not make. So yeah. um, so you're picking Oklahoma as well. Let's go to the Houston regional then, Aaron. Rice the one seed, Baylor the two seed, Cal the three, Alcorn State the four. This seems like a pretty easy draw for the Owls in terms of Baylor's Baylor. I mean, they've, you know, it's been a program of a lot of talent, perceived talent, and perceived less uh, return on that talent than the average program. Cal, which, as you point out, in the regionals really just hasn't been the same team, whether it's because their schedule got tougher or because that little fire of their program being on the brink of elimination was gone. But one way or the other, they haven't been the same team since they were reinstated in April. And Alcorn State, which is in the just-happy-to-be-here category, Won its first uh, SWAC title, first regional uh, trip for the for uh, for the Braves. Uh, is this a, a, what's it going to take for Rice to lose a game in this series? Do you think Rice is going to go through this uh, undefeated in this regional? Actually, no. I, I like Cal. I mean, I you know on paper, I still think Cal is the most talented team in this group, and uh, they have to play better because they you know they haven't played very well in the second half of the season. There's no way around it. But um, I think their pitching is the best in this group. Um, you know, Rice has great arms, but uh, they're younger arms. You know, Cal has a junior and Eric Johnson and, and an experienced sophomore and Justin Jones and uh, another junior in Dixon Anderson and a senior in Kevin Miller. Um, you know, Rice has freshmen and sophomores in their rotation. Um, I think that's one separator. I think Cal is, is just as capable or more capable as Rice offensively. The numbers don't really show it, but I like Cal's offensive personnel. Um, you know, Tony Rendas and the Marcus Semyons and Chad Christ's, uh, Danny O's. I mean, those guys can hit. You know, they're, they're, they're line drive guys. They're not big power guys, but uh, they're pretty good players. I mean, I know it's been a, a rough go for this Cal team down the stretch, and maybe there's no reason to pick them, but I just like their talent. I believe in that team, and, and uh, I'm, I'm picking them to go in there and win that thing. That's awesome. I do love the fact that they have really the guy who should be the captain of the all fit 
roster this year is Tony Renda. I mean, and yeah. I, I mean that guy is all fit if I ever saw anybody. You know, he, I mean, he's he's a he's a lock for sure at second base. I mean, I just can't believe that a guy who hit three thirty, three sixty four, four forty eight, and didn't have double digits in steals is the Pac ten Player of the Year. I mean, yeah. that just that just tells you what the other coaches think of that guy. Um, I'm predicting a big hit for Mike Theophanopoulos in this series as well. Nice, nice. Um, I will say, that, I will say, I, I think they have talent, like you said, but I, I just don't see the offense as having been there. I know the Pac-10 pitching is better, but to me, uh, Rice is the team that's figured it out. And the chasm, and this is no offense, but the chasm between Wayne Graham and the other head coaches in this field, it, it's it is the Grand Canyon. The Canyonero could not span that canyon. <laughs> so, I mean, Wayne Graham gets more out of his teams than the other coaches in this field get out of their teams on a very consistent basis. And all I need to do is look at the uh, – and this is, a, uh, this is a column I guys got to do. I got to stop talking about this and do it, Aaron. If you're a, co- if you're a college and you've got a head coaching opening, you should go, go find a junior college coach who kicks butt. Because look at Wayne Graham. Rice never went to regionals before Wayne Graham got there. He was, what, like 58 when he got that job? And they've made regionals 17 years in a row? I, I mean, he can't be the only junior college coach who knows what to do at, the four, at a four-year school. Uh, right. it's, it's ridiculous to me how every year Rice winds up winning its conference. Doing that in their old league, the WAC, or their new league, Conference USA, is a lot different than doing in the Summit League or the MEAC like Oral Roberts and Bethune-Cookman have done. Now, Rice has been oh, – they've missed, what, one year in the last 17 years where they didn't either win the regular season or the tournament in their conference? I mean, it's just absurd how good Wayne Graham is. And, uh, yeah, I think Rice is going to win that regional. And I, I think Wayne has got that team firing in all cylinders. And it would not shock me if Anthony Rendon against teams that don't have the full mm. Anthony Rendon scouting report and that don't know we're going to give him four every time. Uh, if we're Anthony Rendon doesn't get a big hit in this series or a couple big hits in this series. So I'm picking you're, Rice, you're picking Cal. Yeah, and you know, certainly Rice is, is probably the uh the the Sparter pick because you're right, they've played really well down the stretch and uh it does seem like Wayne Graham's got them figured out and I think Wayne Graham is a name that we need to have in the prominently involved in, in the coach of the year discussion that we kind of had the other day on the podcast um, because this team's had to overcome some stuff. I mean, they've had injuries. Um, you know, they, they've had, they've had a young pitching staff that has taken some time to figure it out, but um, it's great arms, boy. That that's the thing about rice that you like. I mean, they've got a lot of power arms and, you know, Kibitzin, Sims and Singrani. Um, Singrani figuring it out at the back of the bullpen, I think has been, huge for this team i mean i think everything everything fell into place once that guy figured it out and boy you know just watching him uh on tv during a couple of those games uh the uh the the southern miss series i mean he just he just looks really intimidating back there you know and and that's a huge plus uh and in a close game yeah i agree and then baylor uh i don't know what to make of baylor aaron uh like you wrote we thought they were going to be an offensive club this year and they're just not. I mean, I know that's happened with a couple of other teams as far as the bats and stuff, but, but this was a team with athleticism and speed. And at least in some spots, uh, this should have been a team that they they really just should be better than 29 and 26, shouldn't they? 
Yeah, I mean, I, we, we had them preseason 16, so um, I think we expected more from this team. There's no question. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I do like that they've figured it out on the mound down the stretch here. Once again, I mean, it's, you know, Logan Verrett's back to being Logan Verrett. He kind of went through some things this year, but um, he, he's been better lately. Uh, Brooks, Brooks Pinker moving into the weekend rotation was uh, a, a smart move. You know, you get more out of that guy when he's when he's pitching as a starter, I guess. And, uh you know, he's helped stabilize the rotation, and I like Josh Turley, too. He's a really dogged competitor with good feel for pitching, a left-hander. So, I mean, I think their pitching gives them a chance. Um, you know, I, they could be uh, the sleeper here. I mean, I, I wouldn't completely write them off, but I do like the other two teams better. Brooks Pinkard, one of my favorite players in college baseball this year. I, mean, I love that kind of athleticism, and he's just a game-changer in so many ways. But uh, yeah. I want to like Baylor. Uh, I just can't can't pick them. So Rice and Cal are our picks. So we've diverged twice already out of these four regionals. The Baseball America podcast with John Manuel and Aaron Fit. want to remind you that uh, Baseball America uh, has an MLB network offer. This is a great time to subscribe if you don't already subscribe. So Baseball America from the high school from the high school ranks of the big leagues. Now you can try four issues for just four dollars. Visit BaseballAmerica.com slash MLB Network for our special MLB Network offer. And don't forget the next Monday uh, on draft day, Jim Callis on the touch screen. He's going to be the, uh, well, I can't say Tim Russell anymore. He's going to be the Chuck Todd of the draft. Uh, Since I know Chuck, I'll throw Chuck's name in there. But uh, pick your political pundit who works a touch screen. Jim Callis will be doing that on draft day, and it's going to be awesome with a capital A. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, Wait, he's going to be working the touch screen? Yeah, that's right. That's amazing. It is amazing. It's going to be really cool. So I'm, look, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I can't wait for the glasses to just slide on down the nose as the as the uh, <laughs> as the touch screen uh, goes on. It's going to be awesome. Uh, let's go to the Tallahassee Regional before I start making more inside jokes. Uh, Florida State's our one seed, the number five national seed. Dad Gummit. I don't know how they keep doing it, uh, but the Seminole Nation is happy. Central Florida is two. Alabama, uh, thy name is Pluck, is number three. Yeah. And Bethune-Cookman, number four, Aaron. I mean, uh, this seems like it's the Florida State versus Central Florida Regional. It feels like it to me. Uh, it does. But, you know, this is one of those where, where, you know, Alabama can beat you because they've got they've got enough pitching. I mean, Nathan Kilcrease, you know, we, as we all know, is a really fearless competitor. He can beat anybody. I mean, there's no reason he can't shut down Central Florida in that opener. Um, and Bethune-Cookman is, is one of the more dangerous four seeds. They are every year. This team does have a little bit of power in there with Peter O'Brien and, and Ryan Durrance. And, uh, you know, they could give Florida State a hard time. That said, I, 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 at the end of the day, yes, I think it comes down to Florida State and UCF. I just think those teams are too offensive, too physical. Um, and, you know, people talk about this not being a vintage Florida State offense. I think it's a really good offense. I really do. I mean, it's got – Older guys uh, who can hit, you know, who pay, who are patient, work counts like Florida State does every year. Um, they got a lot of guys who, who just have a knack for coming up with clutch hits. You know, how many times do you, do you feel like you see James Ramsey or Sherman Johnson or one of those guys um, coming up with a big hit for Florida State? I mean, it seems like it happens all the time. And, and certainly Mike McGee, uh, over the course of his career, you know, Jace Boyd, I, I think, is a really nice hitter. Devin Travis is, has been a huge piece of the puzzle for them this year. Um, giving them that that spark plug in the leadoff spot that that, that Tyler Holt used to give them, uh, I think it's a great offensive team, and and um, you know that's why I like Florida State in this regional, even though their pitching is suspect. Um, they probably will save Gil Martin for game two, which means Bethune Cookman I think has a shot to pull off the upset in the first game, uh, but 
you know, I can't pick against the Seminoles at home. Uh, they are a good home team. Um, I think that whether they throw McGee or Scantling or whoever in that first game, um, I think they should still be able to handle it, and, and, and I'm, I'm going to stick with the Seminoles. I'm also picking Florida State in this regional. I think you hit on one of the big regions. I think James Ramsey is one of the more underrated players in the league, and just going to the ACC tournament last week and uh, talking to people about Florida State, the guy they all start with, uh, Gil Martin is the obvious guy, but Ramsey's the guy who really makes their offense go. Uh, he's had a tremendous year, probably an All-America year, Aaron, really. I mean, 350, 432, 587, leads the team in home runs, leads the team in uh, RBIs, leads the team in stolen bases. He's the guy. Uh, the only thing that James Ramsey really doesn't do, A, he doesn't look great in a uniform. He's like 5'10", 190, so he's not you know, a pro body. And B, he doesn't throw. Uh, his arm is a little suspect. But everything else, he does average or above. He's got great tools at the college level. He's got pro tools. He's a prospect, and he's a great college hitter. Uh, to me, James Ramsey is probably one of the more under – a guy that I have been slow to regard this year. I'll put it that way because I, I think I've been one of the ones saying that this is not a, a vintage Florida State team, and maybe it's not uh, because it doesn't have a Posey or a, you know, the great pitching depth. Um, now, Central Florida went to Florida State this year. They played three games. Uh, Florida State won two of three and pitched great in two of them. And not so hot in the other game when they gave up 14 runs. Well, what's the key for Central Florida? It sounds like that's what makes Central Florida such an offensive team. Well, you know, first of all, they've got some power in the middle. I mean, Jonathan Griffin's got 18 homers, and DJ Hicks has 13, and uh, you know that that makes them dangerous right there. But they've also got athleticism um, with with Ronnie Richardson and Darnell Sweeney. Also brings some speed. Um, they've got a second baseman who's, who's a really nice little scrappy player, um, you know, and, and then behind the plate, Bo Taylor is, is a kind of another one of those underrated guys that maybe doesn't get a, a lot of attention, but is, is a very good defensive player who uh, is a decent hitter, too. So uh, I think it's a pretty good balanced lineup. Um, I think it's a good defensive team. And, uh, you know, I just think they're a little suspect on the mound. But and also, I mean, they haven't been in regionals in a while. And let's face it, I mean, going to Florida State for regional is is, uh, is a tough assignment. Uh, Florida State's in regionals every year. They win a lot of regionals. That's what they do at Florida State. <laughs> That's um, what they do. You're right. That's what they do. I mean, their their consistency as a program is unbelievable. Mike Martin, uh, man, how, how people can, I don't know. It's, it's amazing to hear pro guys talk about their program sometimes because he's just so divorced from what we think of them as far as the at the college level, how good they are at the college level, you know. But uh, yeah, but those two things don't always uh, intersect. So we're both picking the Seminoles in that regional, in the Tallahassee regional. Uh, now on to College Station, Fitzy, which is a tougher regional. Uh, one of the toughest fields, I think, because you have Texas A&M as the one seed, just missing a top eight national seed, much to their fans' chagrin. And their fans had a, you know, they had a grievance, I, I think. You know, Texas and, Tex- and, and Rice and Texas A&M, as you wrote repeatedly, all had very similar cases. And uh, usually conference tournament champions, you know, you got Florida and Virginia conference tournament champions that are top eight national seeds uh, and, and Rice. And then you did not get that uh, as Texas A&M. You got Texas instead. Um, so the head to head mattered more there than it mattered for in other instances. Um, but the Aggies are the one seed, but they're a little wounded without John Stilson. Uh, Arizona is the two seed. Red Hot Seton Hall is the three. And then Wright State is a four. Wright State, one of the more offensive ball clubs in the, in the country. Seton Hall seems dangerous to me, Fitzy. Just reading your write-up of, of Seton Hall, um, you know, they're only North Carolina only lost two uh, non-conference games all year, both to regional teams, Charlotte and North and uh, Seton Hall. 
And the pitcher that, you know, Seton Hall's ace, who started the year as their Sunday guy, uh, DeRocco, is that his name? Yeah, Joe DeRocco. Cla- classic New Jersey name. Hey, yo, hey, Joe DeRocco, hey. <laughs> I mean, I just, I'm sorry. I just love that his name is Joe DeRocco. Um, he should go to Rutgers or something like that. But, yeah, Seton Hall fans wouldn't want me to say that. But he won at North Carolina. He shut down North Carolina in February. So uh, this is a guy uh, – this is a pretty legit team. It looks like Seton Hall's a, 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 an interesting dark horse to me. Are, are they am I am I uh, blinded by their Big East numbers or is Seton Hall a legit threat to steal a game or two in this regional? I I don't I don't think they're a legit threat. I, you know I just think that uh, the talent disparity when they step on the field against Arizona State is huge. Arizona, uh, you mean? Arizona, excuse me. Uh, you know Arizona is uh, Arizona is loaded, man. I mean they've got pitching, they've got athletes everywhere. Uh, they've got speed. They've got tons of, of you know gap hitters who are just I, – I, I like Arizona's team a lot, and Seton Hall is just not very offensive. I mean they're hitting something like 249 as a team. I mean I, I don't see it. I, I'm, I'm frankly amazed that Seton Hall's had the kind of year that it's had. I don't – looking at their team, nothing really jumps out at me besides Joe DiRocco. Um, you know, who's, who's really good, but he's not better than whoever Arizona is going to throw, whether it's Kurt Heyer or, or Kyle Simon, um, you know, those guys are just as good or better, you know? So I, I like Arizona in that game and, and, and I like Arizona in this regional. I do. I mean, I think they're a more complete team than A&M. Uh, A&M's got great pitching, even without John Stilson, you know, they've still got Michael Walker and Ross Stripling and, and a good bullpen. Um, but, uh, you know, offensively, uh, as much as I like Tyler Naquin, and I love Tyler Naquin uh, and Craig Bratson. I think those guys are very exciting at the top of A&M's lineup. But, um, you know, Arizona, I think, is a deeper offensive team. Uh, I think they're, uh, they're just as good defensively, maybe better. Um, you know, there's just so much speed all over the diamond. And, uh, and their bullpen has figured it out. And that was the question with Arizona earlier this year. You know, Bryce Bandia wasn't really throwing strikes consistently. He's been a lot better lately. Um, you know, they've got Tyler Hale back there now since, since Connor Wade has kind of emerged in, in the rotation, and he's, he's got a good arm too. Um, I, I think this team has figured it out. They're playing well with a lot of confidence. Uh, I like Arizona here. And that's a great pick, Aaron, because uh, the more I look at uh, Arizona, the more I realize, uh, especially with your write-up and, uh, and just look at their numbers, they've done all this without you know, the guy who was supposed to be the engine in the middle of their lineup was supposed to be Steve Selsky. He's been banged yeah. up all year. And they haven't missed a beat. They do have athleticism. That said, it doesn't seem like their athleticism gap for them is going to be as big in this series against uh, – in this regional, I should say. That's A&M strength too um, yes, in a lot of ways. So that's like a great matchup. I'm still picking the Aggies. Just uh, To me, it just seems like that, that chip on their shoulder, you already have that when you're a Texas Aggie and you're not at, at Texas. Most of those players, um, that I think that appeals to them if they're going to go to Texas A&M. Because uh, if you're good enough to go to Texas A&M, you're probably good enough to go to Texas. But I think it appeals to them to be kind of that underdog a little bit, you know, to not be, uh, to not want to be that main guy. I think they're a little bit on a roll, and I think they're a little bit uh, peeved that they're not a, uh, you know, in a in a uh, in the top eight national seeds. And like you said, between Waka and Stripling and their bullpen, they still have plenty of arms. Um, you know, Fleecing and a host of their numbers are just ridiculous. Uh, so I, I like Texas A&M in this, but Arizona certainly is a – you make a compelling case for the Wildcats. And uh, uh, I would make my Andy Lopez jokes here, but this is a family podcast, and we don't uh, – so I can't do it. But uh, <laughs> you know what I'd say. I, I, Arizona's a good pick, and uh, we've already got three di- divergences in a, 
in six uh, picks. I'm, I'm surprised that we've uh, diverged so much, but I'm, I'm taking the favorite here with the Aggies. You're taking the Wildcats. I think the strongest regional on this side of the bracket, Aaron, is the Clemson regional. Number one seed, Clemson. Number two seed, UConn. Number three, Coastal Carolina. Number four, Sacred Heart. Congratulations on getting here, Sacred Heart. You're the fourth team by a mile in this regional because yeah. uh, because Clemson uh, Clemson's Clemson. They've got all kinds of talent. I went to Omaha last year, and they're really one of the hottest teams in the country. UConn, one of the most talented teams in the country. You got Nick Ahmed back. You got two first-round picks. Uh, you, you have a team that went to regionals last year that's experienced. And then you have Coastal Carolina, experience, pretty good talent, good college team, left-handed pitchers to, to face off against Clemson. Um, uh, uh, an ace and Anthony Mayo to go head-to-head with Matt Barnes. Uh, super regional experience from last year. This is a loaded regional, Fitzy. Yeah, it is. It's exciting. I, 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 even now, as I'm looking at this, I don't know what I'm going to say at the end of this section when I have to make a pick because I just think it's tough. You know? Know. Was, was that an intentional Bob Seeger reference, saying even now, kind of lingering there a little bit? Or were you just – was that inadvertent Seeger? Inadvertent Seeger. It happens sometimes. <laughs> All right. I'm um, sorry. I can't believe I went there, but it just popped in my head when you said when you you let even now linger there for a second. It's like uh, you were th- you were thinking Seager. Uh, what's the silver bullet though in this regional for one of these clubs? Is there is there does one of these clubs have a an X factor, a silver bullet who can uh, lead them? Uh, who's going to be like a rock for them in this regional? Oh God, you know, <laughs> uh, it's I'll tell you what what needs to happen first of all. If you're a UConn. Um, and you win the first game, and, and that's a toss-up. Barnes versus Mayo, it could go either way. That is Both a those teams, toss-up. That's a, that's a yeah. great – that's probably the best pitching matchup in all of regionals in the first game. No question. I mean, it's not even close. Those guys are both All-Americans. They're both first-round picks, both at power arms. They both compete like crazy. Uh, what a great matchup. And I think that the, the guy that handles opposing running games better uh, has the advantage, assuming that you know there are any hits because Anthony Mayo didn't allow – any last week uh but uh you know to me these teams are both going to put pressure on you they both have a lot of speed um UConn uh has has as much speed as anybody and I think they're something like fifth in the nation in stolen bases and and coastal runs as well I mean certainly Scott Woodward is is uh um is a disruptive force for them you know but I think UConn's lineup is deeper um but uh you know coastal probably has the edge with a deeper bullpen that shouldn't matter so much in the first game because I expect both guys to go deep. Um, so maybe that's advantage UConn there. But uh, if that happens, UConn needs Greg Napa to be really good against Clemson. And, and you know, it's nice. He's a left-hander. Uh, and that's if you're going to beat Clemson, you want to throw a left-hander at him. And UConn's number two and three guys right now are lefties with Napo and, and the freshman Ward, Brian Ward. But uh, – so maybe they've got a chance. Um, but And, you know, Coastal, if they should win that first game, I really like Matt Ryan um, against Clemson. I mean, he, he strikes me as a Michael Roth type. You know, he's a, uh, a strike thrower, a little bit of a lower slot guy, uh, kind of mid-80s, good breaking ball. I mean, that, that's the kind of formula that works against Clemson. Um, so, you know, whichever one of those teams win that, wins that thing, um, assuming Clemson wins its opener, boy, that that's that would be a great matchup too. I mean, it's uh, it's tough to pick this regional. It's really tough. Um, and then, you know, we talked about Clemson a little bit here. I mean, we've, but we so far we focused more on Coastal and, and Connecticut. Clemson is left-handed, but it does have some nice righty bats in that lineup. Really, Pole and uh, Richie Schaefer, the yeah. two main guys at the top of this lineup. They've got the ACC Player of the Year and Brad Miller. But it seems like the big key for Clemson, 
we like you said, like you wrote in the preseason, we thought this was going to be a well above average offense, and in general, it has been. The pitching's been the, the the big difference for them, and it seems like they've gotten just enough out of the rotation. And now, now with the Kevin Brady coming back from his forearm tightness, he looked pretty good in the in uh, the ACC tournament. It was ninety ninety two, and one of his relief outings with his fastball. So getting close to that ninety three ninety four mile an hour velocity, he was flashing early. And then Scott Wiseman back in their bullpen, but their bullpen better. Certainly they would have liked for Scott Wiseman to be their ace this year. Um, do you think Clemson's – it seems like the biggest thing for Clemson has been getting their pitching in order is what's uh, keyed this late uh, what, 25 out of 31 the streak they're on. Yeah, I think you're right. And, uh, you know, will it hold up against – a team like UConn that I think is a very good offensive team, or Coastal, which uh, I don't think is a is a great offensive team, but has come on a lot stronger down the stretch. And they've got four or five guys um, that are dangerous. You know, I think the Coastal's lineup is more vulnerable uh, in the lower half. But um, yeah, boy, that's that's tough. I mean, I I do like Clemson's team a lot. I you know their lineup is just so experienced and patient. I mean, it's it's kind of like Florida State's lineup. Um, they as usual they drive pitch counts up and. They're selective, and uh, you know they've got physicality in there. Um, they're older. I mean, it's that's a good team. It really is. Well, Aaron, we've already uh, bre- we've had a breakdown of the regional. Now, what's the shakedown? Who are you picking? Who are you picking? I'm picking Clemson. I mean, I know those other teams are really good. I think Clemson at home with their pitching in order. Uh, you know, I've been skeptical of the Tigers for the last several years. And uh, now I'm a lot less skeptical of that team. And I think Brad Miller's the biggest reason. I've been very skeptical on that guy, and I've turned it around. That guy's uh, got a lot of big hits, and Richie Schaefer's a really nice right-handed compliment in that lineup. I'm picking the Tigers. Yeah, yeah, I think I am too. Um, you know, as much as as much as I, I, I'm tempted by both UConn and Coastal Carolina, um, I think I think Clemson at home. I mean, when all else fails, that's the tiebreaker, I suppose. I mean, they're, you know, it's nice to have home field advantage, uh, and I do think they're the best offensive team of this group. Uh, and and like you said, their pitching has come together well enough. I suppose I'll go with Clemson as well. Got to tell you, I think that's the toughest regional field. I think that's the strongest field in the whole 64 team. What do you think? Out of the 16 regionals, is that the best, the, the most balanced, the, the toughest one? I think so. I I do. Yes. Um, let's wrap up. With Columbia, the Columbia Regional, where our own Jimmer Schoenard will be uh, this coming weekend. The Gamecocks is your one seed. You're defending national champions. Stetson, easy for you to say. Stetson, easy for you at number two. Uh, North Carolina State at number three. And Georgia Southern, a four seed. This is also a tough field, Aaron, because uh, Stetson and Georgia Southern bring some they bring some things to the table here. Um, but your average you know, at NC State, uh, veteran club. The two, three, and the four here are all pretty legit clubs. It feels like, anyway. Yeah, they are certainly, and and they also all have their flaws. You know, Stetson uh, um, has struggled down the stretch a lot um, these last three weeks here. Really, they've uh, they've not played very well, and uh, you know they miss Kurt Schluter. I think that's a big part of it, not having him. I mean, he won a Sun Pitcher of the Year honors, even though he's been out since April. Um, you know, he's done for the year, and and. Yeah, you know, I think Lindsey Coggle is is a, is a fine number one, and you know they've got some other guys behind him, Will Dorsey and um, Donahue, you know, Austin, Austin like Donahue. Perez, Tucker Donahue. Those guys. I mean, Donahue's got a good arm. He's he's a key for them. I mean, he's an X factor. Stetson's going to win this regional. He's got to be a big part of it. Um, but 
you know, I don't think to me they don't feel like they've got as much firepower as as North Carolina State, um, which uh, has hit a lot fewer home runs than it hit last year, but it still has some some nice bats in that lineup. I mean, I like Pratt Maynard and Harold Riggins and uh, Andrew Senson. I mean, those guys uh, those guys are good players. You know, they're good college players and. Um, you know, and Cordy Mazzoni is, I think, gives State a big edge in that first game. So, um, you know, I, I suspect that uh, here's the other thing to consider: Georgia Southern has has a you know a real ace of on that first game against South Carolina. Um, could they beat South Carolina with Chris Beck on the mound? Sure, they could. Uh, that's a dangerous game for the Gamecocks. It really is. Um, but uh, you know, I, I I still think it's hard to pick against South Carolina in this regional. I just think they're they're by far the best team in this group. Um, the most complete team, the most experienced team, you know, all the things we've talked about South Carolina all year long. They're just, they're just a tough, they're just a tough bunch. How is South Carolina's health? What is the health status of the Gamecocks? Jackie Bradley going to play this weekend? Sounds like he's not, right? I mean, he's, uh, he's expected to be done for the year, correct? Yeah, I don't think he's going to play this weekend. Um, you know, and, and that, that's, that is something to think about is they're still not really 100%. You know, they could use him and Adam Matthews. Those guys are really good players that are not in their lineup, but they haven't been for a while, and South Carolina hasn't really missed a beat. Um, so, you know, it's uh, it, I, I think South Carolina is okay health-wise. I mean, they, they, they've gotten used to playing without those guys. Evan Marzilli has done a good job in center field. Uh, he's an exciting player, you know, and, and he's played well lately. Um, he's hit a lot better than he did early in the year. He's pretty rangy in center field. I mean, he's not Jackie Bradley Jr., but he can go get it. Uh, so, you know, that that helps a lot. And, uh, um, you know, having Jake Williams out there in the outfield, I mean, he, he's he's got a pretty good bat for them. He hits right in the middle of their lineup. Um, so I think I think they're okay. Didn't Matthews play in the uh, – at least pinch hit in the SEC tournament one time? He did pinch hit. So maybe he's getting closer to returning, but – I, I still don't anticipate him being a key part of this for South Carolina, at least this week. I don't either. I, I have to say, I really think that uh, South Carolina is vulnerable. I think they're really vulnerable. I think they've overachieved most of this year because of those injuries, not because they don't have talent. But you look at their team, and it, you, their, out, their outfield was supposed to provide the offense. Marzilli, Bradley, and Matthews. And two-thirds of those guys are gone. And I know they've overcome that most of the year with, like, Stephen Neff filling in and – Deshaun Anderson, like you wrote about, but they've got a great bullpen, no doubt about that. Their starting pitching has been very, very good. It's three guys, you know, and if one of those guys is a rough start, it, it would not shock me if South Carolina lost this, did not win this regional. It would not shock me if a team like Stetson, I'm not picking, I'm picking South Carolina. I don't expect South Carolina to get to Omaha. I just feel like um, as great a year as they've had, as great a coaching job as they've had, just I just think it's too much for them to overcome. If they've overcome it and they've overcome it and they've overcome it, I just don't see them doing it each you know for for two more weekends. Sooner or later, I think it has to catch up to the Gamecocks. But I I think this field, while it's pretty strong on paper, I don't feel like Georgia Southern. I I, I wonder about Beck. They threw him twice in the re, in the SoCon tournament. Wonder if he's going to be sharp right. this weekend. I, I'm very concerned about that. He threw 17 innings in four days. Um, so I think South Carolina will win this regional, but I'm I'm iffy on the Gamecocks going forward. So we're, we're both picking South Carolina there. So we're both picking the uh, the unbelievable conflagration there, and that would be a Clemson South Carolina super regional. Uh, that 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 could be like an English soccer match. They're going to be like, uh, <laughs> what are the chances of raging fights in the stands 
between Gamecocks and Tigers fans at that Super Regional? 50%? Yeah. 75%? Yeah. That would be something else. I mean, to have the intensity of that matchup uh, in a Super Regional setting on campus, uh, man, I mean, that would be, it would be apocalypse now. If there were a big league park in the state of South Carolina, they would fill it up. I mean, I don't care. If, if they, right. It's almost like they should move that to Turner Field and go to Atlanta, and they'd all go. I mean, that would be an insane Super Regional. I, that's just yeah. going to be – That's going to be. they should find the biggest ballpark in the state and play there, which you know probably is Carolina Stadium. It's yeah, probably true. It pro- I bet it's bigger than, uh, than the AAA Charlotte Knights. They play in Fort Mill. I bet you Columbia's uh, ballpark is just as big or bigger. It's certainly nicer uh, than, than Knights Castle or whatever they call that now. Uh, in a projected super regional there, Clemson, South Carolina, who are you picking? Uh, Clemson. I mean, uh, I am too. We're going to hear it from the Gamecock fans, I suspect. But yeah, I just think that they're they're healthier. They're uh, I think they've been a little bit better down the stretch. I I think uh, I think this is the year for Clemson. I I, I agree. I agree that uh, I, I think it is that year. I would not say that if South Carolina were firing on all cylinders offensively and and healthy, but. Uh, I think that grinding thing can only go so far. You've got to have all your horses when you're playing really good teams. So, um, of course, that didn't seem to matter in the regular season in the, in the SEC where they beat Vanderbilt yeah. and Florida. Uh, a projected Florida State, either Arizona or Texas A&M Super Regional, that would be played at, uh, at Dick Hauser Stadium. I, I, I'm not picking against the Seminoles in that, are you? You know, I'm going to ride Arizona. I mean, I wow. am. Wow. Upset I, city. I, I think they're better on the mound than Florida State. I think they're comparable in the lineup. Um, and, and Andy Lopez has a way. It seems like every few years he'll have one of these teams that kind of sneaks up on you and gets to Omaha. I think this is the team. I love it. That's a bold pick. I'm not picking against uh, the the Seminole Nation. I'm just not. I'm not, I'm not picking against Mike Martin uh, in that. I, I do think, especially in a three game series, you give Gil Martin one and you just you Johnny Holstaff the other one. I think Florida State has enough pitching to get that done. Then we'd be picking an Oklahoma, or if it's an Oklahoma and Rice Super Regional, that would be at Rice. You're picking an Oklahoma-Cal Super Regional. So I guess you're getting the Sooners to go back-to-back to Omaha, aren't you? Or are you picking Cal? John, I like Cal. I mean, uh, call me a Pac-10 homer if you want. I'm but, calling you uh, a West Coast apologist. I've got a West Coast <laughs> bias. Maybe that's it. That's it. <laughs> that's it. Uh, no, I mean, again, this is just a gut pick for me. I, I, like, their, I like them on paper, and uh, – um, you know, they, there's no reason, I mean, to think that they can beat Rice in Oklahoma. What have they, you know, was Cal done down the stretch that makes you believe that? I just, I just like their team better. Um, you know, I, I think that their pitching is, is, is really good. I mean, I think Eric Johnson is, is, is a good guy at the front. Uh, he's been better lately than certainly Michael Rocha has been. And, um, you know, Justin Jones and Anderson and all those other guys I talked about. Miller and Matt Flemmer in the bullpen. Um, I, I like Cal. I do. I, I think we'd have two Pac-10 teams in Omaha on that side of the bracket. What about three, Aaron? You're picking UCLA to win their regional. You'd have a UCLA-Virginia super regional, which would just be insane. <laughs> that would be the top three college pitchers on our draft board in the same super regional in Cole, Holton, and Bauer. And then uh, I'm picking a Virginia-Fresno State uh, super regional where I would pick the Cavaliers. Uh, but I don't think anybody cares about my pick. What about your pick? Virginia and UCLA in a Super Regional. Who you got? I like Virginia because uh, they're a better offensive team. Um, you know, I think Holson and, you know, whoever is, is a wash in, the, in, in one of those games. Um, you know, you give Bauer probably an edge if he goes 
was the second game. Uh, and then, you know, I like Virginia maybe in the third game uh, just because they're, they're just a more complete team, you know, and, and I, and I think Virginia can beat Garrett Cole or, or Trevor Bauer with their offense. Uh, I mean, they beat Steven Strasburg in regional two years ago and it's, you know, granted it's not the same team, but uh, this is a good offensive team. It's a lot better offensively than UCLA is. Uh, and, and I think it's better defensively too. I, I think Virginia is just more complete. They've been more consistent by a long shot. I'll tell you what, I think if UCLA wins that regional, I think they're not going to win the regional. But if they won the regional, I would think they would go to, to, to Davenport Field and win that super. Because uh, two out of three, I'm not going to pick against Colin Bauer. I think Cole, I think Trevor Bauer, frankly, has almost like more swing and miss stuff. He's a harder guy to hit in some ways than Steven Strasburg. Uh, I don't think he's better. Uh, but his college numbers are pretty doggone comparable. And, uh, yeah. you know, they're actually very comparable. And he's led the nation in strikeouts two years ago and uh, two years in a row. And I, I think he's tougher to hit. And uh, that ballpark is perfect for UCLA. One or two runs are going to win you a game. That place is tremendous for UCLA. So I'm not picking UCLA to win that regional. I, I'm picking Fresno. But I think if UCLA got to the Super Regional and played Virginia, I would pick the Bruins. But that's – uh. That's a whole other. That's going to be a whole other podcast, Aaron. So we're we're near the hour mark on this podcast. We're going to wrap up this podcast. We're going to come back with the other half of the bracket in our next podcast. That'll be the Gainesville bracket all the way down through the Chapel Hill bracket, and of course, uh, you know, we'll have Baseball America staffers over in Chapel Hill for that bracket, and you will be at the Cal State Fullerton bracket some of the some of the next weekend as well. So, uh, the, the where Stanford and the Titans will renew pleasantries. Uh, from when they used to play all year. Aaron, real quick, uh, we did have a uh, Twitter question from Ben Kalachi, uh, who tweeted, best hitter in the Columbia Regional, Christian Walker or Victor Roach? I think it's Christian Walker, don't you think? Christian Walker is the best hitter, and I give the power tool edge certainly to Roach. But, uh, yeah, best pure hitter is Walker. And Walker is uh, pretty sure is a Team USA invitee, and I don't know if Victor Roach is or not, uh, but I think Christian Walker may have already accepted his invitation to Team USA, so that tells you a little bit about it. And he's he's expected to be uh, the the top guy, uh, one of the top hitters on Team USA this summer. So um, great stuff on the podcast as always, Aaron, and the regional capsules. Uh, some of your best work that you do. I mean, you do a year in and year out, and uh, you've done a great job all year. And uh, Looking forward to more great coverage uh, here in the postseason and also to seeing you in Omaha in a couple weeks. Uh, first Drover stakes on me. Yeah, all right. Look forward to that. All right. We'll come back tomorrow with the second half of the podcast and the rest of the regionals. For Aaron Fit, I'm John Manuel. We'll see you tomorrow on the Baseball America podcast. So long, everybody.